The World Changing Women podcast is brought to you by the 2019 World Changing Women's Summit. Join us January 28th through 30th in Santa Cruz, California to nourish yourself, connect with other women in leadership, and elevate business. For more information and to claim your tickets, visit worldchangingwomensummit.com. That's worldchangingwomensummit.com. Hey there, podcast listeners. You can follow us on Twitter at WCWpod. If you haven't yet, we'd be so grateful if you could help us out by subscribing, rating, or leaving a review of this podcast. Thank you, as always, for listening. You're listening to the World Changing Women's Podcast, where each week we talk to badass female founders who've built game-changing brands that are making the world a better place. You know, if I'm passionate enough to like be working 100% of the time in order to make this work, like I think that this is something I really want to do and this is um, something that I, I can really throw my entire life force behind making it happen. For anyone who has been to Whole Foods Market, Natural Grocers, or even Costco lately, you might have seen products boosted with a new superfood called Moringa. Moringa comes from a tree that grows in hot climates and it has small green leaves that are somehow even more nutritious than kale. And much of Moringa's new foray into the market can be attributed to one woman, Lisa Curtis. Lisa is the founder and CEO of Cooley Cooley Foods, which makes energy bars, drinks, smoothie powders, and more that feature the new superfood ingredient, all while supporting Moringa producers on small farms in Africa. Despite how prolific Cooley Cooley products are becoming, the company's roots epitomize the entrepreneurial journey. Lisa bootstrapped the company with $1,000 of her own cash, handing out samples of her products at Whole Foods and not paying herself a cent until she gained enough traction in the market. In this episode of World Changing Women, we'll sit down with Lisa to talk about how she brought a new superfood into the market, how she found investors who support her vision, and why she advocates for staying small as long as possible. I'm your host, Megan French Dunbar, co-founder and CEO of Conscious Company Media. Welcome to World Changing Women. I first started working with Cooley Cooley's main product, Moringa, when I was in the Peace Corps about eight years ago. So I was a volunteer in Niger, West Africa. I was in a very rural village with no electricity, no running water, and not a lot of healthy food. And so I, as a vegetarian, found myself feeling malnourished off a diet of beans and rice and millet. Um, So a couple of the women that I was working with in this village health center told me about this plant, Moringa, and they pulled these leaves off a tree and mixed it with this popular West African peanut snack called Cooley Cooley and handed it to me and said, here, eat this. It'll make you feel better. Um, And at the time, I had never thought of, you know, eating tree leaves. I had no idea what Moringa was, um, but I trusted these women and, and I ate it and it, it gave me a lot more energy. I think it had a lot of the, the protein and the vitamins that my body was lacking. And um, I started to, to feel better and started to do some research, like what is this plant and how, how come I didn't know about it? And, you know, the more I learned about Moringa, the more excited I became. Like it has incredible amounts of protein, calcium, iron, vitamins, and it 
grows in hot, dry places. So it grows in a lot of countries like Niger, where I did the Peace Corps, that have high rates of malnutrition. But when I spoke with a lot of the women in my village, they told me that they weren't really growing or eating it because there wasn't much of a market for it. And when I asked them, okay, well, what can I do to, to get you guys to eat more of it? They're like, well, if you create a market, we'll grow more of it. And if we grow more of it, we'll eat more of it. So at the you know grandiose age of, of 22, having no <laughs> food industry experience, um, I then, my, my Peace Corps service ended. I came back to the U.S. and started working on helping some of the women I had, had worked with and other women like them in West Africa sell Moringa here in the U.S. And, and what did that look like to actually help them sell here in the U.S.? How did you start doing that? So it... It looked uh, very scrappy. (laughs) Um, One of the things about starting a company, you know, post Peace Corps is that you don't actually have a lot of startup capital and and you certainly don't have a lot of uh, credibility to raise capital. Um, So ended up figuring out, okay, you know, what, what can I do with like a thousand dollars basically. And, um, I ended up recruiting a couple of my childhood friends, one who at the time was working in food, another one who was working in tech, but very interested in food and, um, brought them on, on board, which at the time was, was basically a passion project. So I I got a day job at a, a tech startup and started working on this nights and weekends. And, um, we really tried to figure out, okay, what's, you know, what can we put Moringa into that consumers will understand? So we experimented with like Moringa hummus, Moringa pesto, and eventually decided on a bar because that's where people go to find nutrition and health and and wellness and very easy to understand. So um, made bars by hand in a commercial kitchen, basically spent all Sunday, all Saturday making these bars in a commercial kitchen, and then all of Sunday selling them at farmer's markets. And we weren't just selling them, we were also trying to really test out the market. So we surveyed everybody who came to our farmer's market booth, understanding what they liked, what they didn't like, um, and just taking down the conversion rate of sample to sale. So you're working full-time at this point. You have enlisted your childhood friends to help you to get go to a commercial kitchen on the evening, nights, and on weekends to start experimenting with food. How did you recruit your friends um, and convince them that they should join you to do this? Yeah, it's a good question. Um, <laughs> they had never seen a Moringa tree before. Um, they, you know, had never met any Moringa farmers. And um, I think that the idea of here's one of the most nutrient-rich plants in the world. It grows in all these countries with high rates of malnutrition, but it's currently really vastly underutilized. How can you know, here's Americans who are you know malnourished in different ways, um, overnourished in certain ways, and this is like a really healthy product that can help connect those two groups and provide nutrition and livelihoods to to people around the world, and, and particularly to, to women around the world. And um, so I think the idea was compelling, um, and the and you know for. For Jordan, my my co-founder, who is this came from the tech side, he's always liked this idea of like, how do you connect people across continents and how do you tell the untold stories? Like so much when you think of Africa, you think of, you know, AIDS and 
of famine and war, you don't think of like, oh, amazing entrepreneurs who are growing this like really high quality health product. Um, and Valerie, um, my co-founder who was in the food space, really loved the idea of, you know, how about instead of developing new products for Hershey's or General Mills, can we develop new products for ourselves and for this like bigger social purpose? I love it. Um, so were you actually at that point sourcing the Moringa from the Moringa farmers? So that was um, kind of a, a winding road in and of itself. Um, yeah, I can't imagine. So started initially trying to uh, get connected to the, the Moringa farmers I'd been working with in Niger and, and source from them. Um, but at the time they were growing Moringa on such a small scale and um, just such a, a low quality that we found we were getting, we were paying more in shipping than we were like actually paying to the farmers mm-hmm. um, with such small volumes. And then we kept having issues with the, the Moringa not meeting our, our quality standards. And um, so we sort of were like, okay, we really want to do this, but like, is there, is there, you know, maybe another group we can find who's maybe a little bit closer to, to having larger volumes and to hitting U.S. standards and found this amazing women's group in Ghana, which is right next to Niger, um, but a little more developed. And they, um, you know, had been growing Moringa at scale um, in like a community farm and had been then starting to sell it in just like, I think, three stores in New York, um, but really, really wanted to scale up. So it was sort of the perfect partnership of us saying, you know, well, let's, let's partner and let's, let's be the the sales and marketing arm that gets this off the ground. Um, and you guys, you know, continue to do what you're doing and growing a really high quality Moringa product and, um, and exporting it here to the U.S. So then you guys, you know, you're sourcing this Moringa now from Ghana. You're making bars in a commercial kitchen on Saturday. You're selling them at a farmer's market on Sunday. And then at some point, you guys become a company. Can you talk to me a little bit about that transition and how you guys made that leap? Yeah, um, we didn't make it all at once. So, you know, it was, yeah, make, working, making bars all Saturday, selling it all Sunday, and then going back to our day jobs Monday morning, <laughs> um, which was, a, it was hard. It was a lot of work. And um, I was, you know, I kept saying like, okay, I want to, I want to quit my job. I want to go into this full time, but I want to make sure this is actually going to work before I I quit this job that I I really loved and, you know, paid pretty well too. Um, and to me, so I, I kind of set up in my mind, like different proof points. Um, so the first proof point was like at the farmer's markets, like, could we get a good conversion rate from sample to sale? Um, and good from what, my co-founder Valerie had seen is like, if you can get over 10%, um, and we were getting 16 to 20% of consumers coming by sampling the product, then purchasing the product. Um, so that was kind of one milestone. And then the second milestone was like, can we get people to believe in this idea enough that they'll help put like pre-order product and, and donate basically in exchange for product in order for us to do our first manufacturing run of these Moringa bars. Um, and so that was our Indiegogo campaign. So we launched onto Indiegogo. Um, this was June of 2013 um, and did this, this 
crazy crowdfunding campaign where we ended up raising $53,000 from 800 people in like 23 different countries. So uh, in, I don't know 800 people in 23 different countries. It was not all family and friends. And it was, it was amazing to really see it take off. Um, and then once I, you know, had a good sense of, okay, like people will buy into this with their money. It's, it's now a question of will retailers buy into it. Um, so then we went to, to Whole Foods Market and um, Northern California and, and presented the product. And uh, it was a, an amazing meeting because we, you know, spent like all night making the bars and preparing our pitch lines. And we walked in there and the buyer was like, oh, Moringa. I love Moringa. I just saw it on Dr. Ass. Let's bring it in. <laughs> like, really? That's it? Okay. Um, well, it didn't end up being quite that easy. She approved us for all the stores, um, but we had to sell it in store by store. So um, that was the point where it was like, okay, we've got bars manufactured. We have a retailer that wants to bring us in. Um, now let, like, I need to, to quit my day job. Um, so I did that at the end of 2013 and we, we launched onto the market in 2014. So at that moment when you actually quit your day job, I, I mean, although you did have proof points along the way that were kind of showing you that this was potentially a good idea, there still is this like level of uncertainty. And I'm curious for you, what gave you the courage to think like this, this is absolutely worth quitting my job to do? <sighs> it was... It was a, a hard decision. I think it helped that I had gotten to the point where, you know, I was waking up at like five in the morning to like send out emails for Cooley Cooley before I went to my day job. I was coming home, like, you know, as soon as I could after work to like then work on Cooley Cooley stuff again. I was spending all my time on the weekends doing it. And I'm like, you know, if I'm passionate enough to like, be working a hundred percent of the time in order to make this work. Like, I think that this is, this is something I really want to do. And this is, um, something that I, I can really throw my entire life force behind making it happen. Wow. Um, so you quit your job, you decide to launch Cooley Cooley. Sounds like you guys get into Whole Foods. Um, but I just actually saw you guys at Costco. Um, and I know that there was multiple years and multiple things that happened in between there. So I was just hoping you could talk to me a little bit about the journey from inception to where you guys are right now and what's happened. Yeah, it's, it's a great question. Um, so I would say the beginning year, and I, I like talking about this part in particular, because I think people sometimes are like, oh, you're in 7,000 stores, like in five years, that's amazing. And it's like, well, those don't always happen all at once. And at the beginning, it, things seem, at least for us, to move really, really slowly. Um, so my job as the you know CEO of my newfound company um, was basically driving around Whole Foods store to Whole Foods store, selling in the product, and then spending like three to four hours in the store selling the product. So passing out samples to consumers, talking to the store staff about it, trying to get them excited enough that when I left the store, they would continue to sell it for me, um, and not getting paid a cent by Coolio. <laughs> um, I was doing like communications consulting on the side. I was, you know, living in a 
a two bedroom place with four people. So it's doing a lot of things to like make it cheaper um, or make it possible for me to, to continue to do that. But it was, it was, it was a struggle and it was a lot of um, just a lot of time and effort to start to build momentum. And, um, but it, it paid off in the sense that, you know, Whole Foods saw that these Moringa bars were selling really well. Um, so they then moved us out to all of Northern California. Um, and then pretty quickly after that, all of the West Coast. Um, so that was like 2015, we got distribution on all the West Coast um, and started doing some of the food trade shows. So Expo West and Fancy Food and really, you know, getting the word out of those shows and, and starting to get other buyers interested. Um, and then in 2016, um, we launched nationwide with Whole Foods and um, did it in like a pretty cool way in the sense that we actually um, had this partnership with the Clinton Foundation and this nonprofit in Haiti called the Smallholder Farmers Alliance, um, where they really saw Moringa as being the perfect tree to help reforest Haiti. And so we worked with them to craft a new product made with Haitian Moringa. Um, that would help reforest Haiti and provide an income to Haitian farmers. And we, we got Whole Foods in on developing that product with us. And then they agreed to both launch that new shot product and also our, our Moringa powder, which we've launched in 2015 nationwide in the Whole Foods. So it was um, cool. I think that our, our first national distribution actually came from like a, a an impact project. Mm -hmm. um, and so that's one of the things I like telling people is that like, it's not just, you know, you conscious companies aren't conscious because it's good for the world. It's also good for business. Amen. <laughs> so I'm assuming that all of this growth uh, was also supported by some level of fundraising. Um, and, and that might be an erroneous assumption on my part, but I'm just curious about kind of, you know, after that initial crowdfunding campaign where you guys raised $53,000, what other fundraising have you done for the company? And also kind of what advice do you have for people who are looking to fundraise? Yeah, great question. Um, so I actually think we started too early in the fundraising process. Um, part of that was because I had no money. Um, so, you know, my advice is if people can make it longer without fundraising and, and get even more traction on the market, like that is always better. You're going to be able to raise funds faster and at a better valuation. But um, for, you know, that, that Indiegogo money all went to our first <laughs> manufacturing run. And then um, even though I wasn't paying myself, there was still a lot of other costs in, in terms of, you know, slotting and, and getting the product on the market that, that needed to be paid. Um, so started fundraising in 2015 um, doing a, a seed round, I basically went to like every pitch event I could find um, and talked to probably every angel investor that had the least bit of interest in like, you know, women's empowerment or food or like plant-based foods. And um, it was, it was like pulling teeth to raise $500,000. It took me almost a year. Um, then there was an interesting moment where end of 2015, Whole Foods says we want to launch you nationwide. And we were like, okay, we, we want to launch nationwide too, but we don't actually have enough money to do that. Um, and then in three months, I raised another half a million dollars. Um, so to me, that kind of proved like if you have like a very clear 
use of funds and like a, a clear milestone that you're trying to achieve with the money, um, that that makes it really easy for investors to get on board quickly. And also that deadline of like, okay, we, we need to raise this before the end of the year or we won't have the money to make this launch. I think got people excited and, and got them to write checks faster. So um, raised a million dollar seed round in total. Um, and then in 2017, we decided we really wanted to to grow into, like you said, not just Whole Foods, but to start to expand to other retailers as well alongside Whole Foods. And um, very quickly found that like, you know, launching into other stores like um, All Hold or CBS or other, you know, Safeway is, um, is great, but it's also really, really expensive. Um, to play in more conventional retail. Um, and so realized that if we were going to do it, we, we needed some more funding to do it well. Um, so we raised uh, three and a quarter million of new money plus the, the seed round converted in. So four and a quarter million in total Series A. It was actually led by Kellogg's 1894 Capital. Fantastic. So with where you are right now, I think, you know, there's this this narrative around, you know, you've raised the money, you guys are at Costco, everything is great, you guys don't have anything to worry about anymore. Um, and I'm curious, is there anything right now as a CEO that you're struggling with? I I feel like running a startup is a roller coaster ride. You're, there's like every day there's a moment where I'm like on top of the world and there's another moment where I'm in this black hole and I'm like, (laughs) Um, so, you know, I think in terms of like, yes, we have a fantastic team and it's amazing to have all of these really talented people on our team and and doing such great work that I don't have to do everything myself anymore. Um, I think it is, also tricky because it's, you know, food is, food is a a kind of a hard business to be profitable in. And we're, we're getting really close to profitability, but we're not yet there. Um, And we think that in order to continue to grow at the rate we've been growing at, which we've been pretty, you know, averaging like over a hundred percent growth, um, that we are going to need some more capital. So it's been about two years since we closed our last round of funding and I am, um, back in fundraising mode, which, you know, in one way, like I, I enjoy talking to new investors. I enjoy like telling them about Kuli Kuli, about our incredible team, about our incredible farmers that we work with around the world. Um, but it's also a huge distraction from like what I really want to be doing, which is running and, and growing this business. So I'm imagining that, um, you know, running a business and now having to embark on another capital raise um, and running around the world doing speaking gigs and all the other things that you're doing, that your schedule is pretty busy. Um, And one question I have is just how are you staying grounded right now? And what sort of self-care practices do you have? Yeah, that's a really good question. I travel pretty much every week. (laughs) Um, I actually had this hilarious moment last week where Southwest like called my name on the intercom and they let's, you know, had me come to the front and I was like, Oh no, why do I come to the front? And they're like, congratulations. You've taken 25 flights this year. You're like one of the highest flyers. And I was like, Oh no, <laughs> I don't want that at all. <laughs> um, but it is, it is something, you know, I love what I do and, and try as much as possible to remind myself that I am 
honored and, and blessed to be in the position that I am in and in, in working on this company that I love so much and like working with these amazing farmers and this amazing team to, to do what we do. Um, you know, on a day-to-day basis, I have like, I would say three things that, that keep me sane and I try to check all of these boxes every day. Um, so the first is, is meditation. I try to meditate for 10 minutes every morning. Um, the second is exercise. So I generally exercise for like about an hour a day, which to a lot of people might sound crazy given like how much I travel and and my schedule. But to me, it's just like a fundamental like need that I have. And so I, I bike to work, I run around the lake, I, um, you know, do different gym classes, that kind of thing, but have it sort of as something I I bring my running shoes every time I travel basically, um, because I need to have that. Um, and the third is really being uh, careful about what I eat. Um, because I'm, I'm a big believer that food is medicine and that if you put trash into your body that, you know, trash out, like you're not going to think as clearly, you're not going to feel as great. Um, so I, I travel with like a bunch of superfoods <laughs> alongside Moringa and often we'll, we'll actually bring like little packs of oatmeal with me and like add in my superfoods into it. And, um, <laughs> cause you know, a lot of the places I travel, like there isn't necessarily the, the type of food that I love. Um, so I try to have everything with me that are, so that I can, um, continue a lot of those routines. And just building on that, um, I'm curious for you, if you, if, is there a, like the best piece of leadership advice that you've ever received? The best piece of leadership advice um, was actually something that someone told me when I was in the Peace Corps. Um, was that the you know the the true leaders are the ones who, at the end of the day, the people who they're leading step forward proudly and say, "We did this." Because I don't think that you know you. I, I just don't think that like it 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 helps for me to be saying, Oh, I did that. And I did this. And, and so I try to lead from a place where it's like, we're doing this together. And actually like, you're the one that gets credit for it. Um, and I don't, I don't need credit. I love that. Um, so kind of looking back at this journey that you've been on, um, I'm curious, what are the top maybe two to three pieces of advice that you have for other business leaders? So one of the biggest things that I learned over time is is really testing and iterating when you're small and using that agility to your advantage, um, particularly if you're in the manufacturing business. Because um, for us, what we found is like when we were selling bars at farmers markets, like all we wanted was to be in thousands of retail stores nationwide. But what we didn't realize is like by being so small, we actually had a lot of opportunity to like test out a lot more different recipes to like get really creative and just like, you know, iterate, 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 iterate. Um, and when you get bigger, like then you're talking about like discontinuing product lines, launching new packaging, new products, like all of that stuff costs a ton of money and is a ton of time to do. And so using your size to your advantage and not, not thinking that bigger is always better. Um, I think the the second thing is to find people who are as passionate as you are, but who have 
different skills than you. Um, and to really be honest about like, what are you best in the world at? And what are the areas where you need support? So for me, like, I, I know I'm great at like the kind of visionary stuff. Like I can pitch, you know, investors or press or like sales buyers all day long. Um, I'm not, it takes me forever to build an Excel model. Um, details can sometimes get lost when I'm in charge of like, logistical stuff. And so my goal has always been like, okay, how do I find people who are great in the things that I'm not great at? And like, then we can do this together. So I'm curious for you, can you tell me about a life changing moment that you've had on your journey? Probably one of the the biggest was um, just a couple of months ago in August, we got this state department grant to return back to Niger, which is where I did the Peace Corps and where I first, you know, tried Moringa and got inspired to start Cooley Cooley. Um, we got this grant to build a Moringa supply chain in Niger because we've never been able to find a way to help the farmers there scale up to the quantities and, and qualities that make exporting from, you know, arguably the, the poorest, most landlocked <laughs> country in the world possible. Um, and so being able to go back to my village and just, you know, say like, Hey guys, you know, eight years later, I've built the largest Moringa company in the world. And now I have like the resources and partners in place and we want to source Moringa from you. And we're going to like really invest in helping you do that. It was, it was just this moment where I was like, this is why I'm doing this. Mm -hmm. Like, this is why this matters. Um, and I just like went to the village and like, cried <laughs> oh what was their reaction they kept being like you came back and they were like eight later you came back I was like I told you I'd come back <laughs> took me a little while but I did it wow and how is that project going so far good I mean I think one of the things I've learned is that you know different different organizations move faster or slower certainly uh, I find getting money from investors to be slow, but it's kind of nothing compared to government grants. Um, so it is a it is a process and it is a journey, but we are really, really excited about the journey and have um, formed some amazing partnerships, including with this women's cooperative that includes women from the, the village where I did Peace Corps. And um, we're now in touch with them every week and, and figuring out how do we you know put in place a really amazing action plan on how to get them up to U.S. quality standards. And um, we're, we're making a lot of progress already. So, you know, I want to set expectations. We think it's probably going to be another year um, before we get Moringa from Niger, just kind of given their current capabilities. Um, but it is something we're committed to doing and, and something that I think is just one of the most impactful things that, that we've ever done. Oh, congratulations. I love that. <laughs> um, so for you, what is the most important thing in your life right now? Oh, uh, so many things. I, I don't think I can, I can name just one. Um, to me, like somebody told me once to like, kind of think of your life as a flower and like every, it's, which sounds really cheesy, but like every aspect that you care about being like these different petals and, you know, make sure that like no petal gets too big because then the flower falls over. And so I think of like 
my family, my friends, my life partner, um, my work, my, you know, health, all being different petals of that sort of like flower that keeps me, keeps me going and keeps me growing um, and, and trying to keep all of that in balance. So I think that's probably the thing that's most important is feeling like that I am killing it as a CEO and, you know, running a fast growing, super impactful company, but also that I'm being a really good friend and a really good partner and a really good daughter and sister and granddaughter and um, all the other relationships in my life that really matter. Hmm, I love that. Um, And final question here, what is giving you hope for the future right now? I think the whole just concept of like social enterprise and and conscious companies, like, you know, I obviously I know who I'm talking to, so I don't mean to preach to the choir, but um, I was fortunate enough and and really honored to attend the Muhammad Ali Awards a couple weeks ago. And um, a lot of the the other companies or other organizations in that room, like all these young social entrepreneurs and just like just hearing them talk about what they're doing. And, and I felt the same way at the, the conscious company gathering that I went to. It's just like hearing people talk about what they're doing and why they're doing it. Like that is amazing. And, and reading about that stuff and you know, reading your magazine and reading other places. And um, like, it, it's just so refreshing. And that is not what you hear in the news, but that is, that is happening. And that like drumbeat of activity and, um, is really what, what gives me hope. A huge thanks this week to Lisa Curtis and the entire team over at Cooley Cooley Foods, as well as to our production team at Story Pop Media and the entire Conscious Company Media team. The World Changing Women's Podcast is brought to you by Conscious Company Media. If you like what you're hearing, we'd be so grateful if you could help us out by subscribing, rating, or leaving a review of this podcast. As a reminder, don't forget to follow us on Twitter at WCWPod. Join us next week for an interview with another world-changing woman. And thank you, as always, for listening. A StoryPop Media Production.